Gugtash. I'm Tina Andrew, and I'm here with a special guest, Kateri Harris, from the Tucson Indian Center located in downtown Tucson. How Tucson Indian Center came to be? Well, shortly after World War II, local natives felt there was a need for an organization of their own to provide services for health, housing, education, counseling, and recreation. To pursue this goal, a Native American club was organized in 1957. And in 1963, the club became incorporated as the American Indian Association, doing business as the Tucson Indian Center. For decades, the center has offered youth and elderly programs, job services, adult and youth education programs, cultural activities, and emergency assistance. Thanks for coming into the studio today, Kateri. I'm happy you get to be here to share your story. Thank you, Tina. Thank you for having me. Skukdash, everyone. My name is Kateri Harris, and I am a member of the Thanatham Nation. I come from Wauwakiwa District, and I am a member of the Chulik community. Um, I grew up in Chulik, and also uh, that's on my dad's side, where his family is from, and my mom's side is uh, from Gooiduk. So I grew up basically in both districts, villages. So on my dad's side, it was more cowboy, um, you know, roundups, being outside, um, horses, cows. And also on my mom's side, it was more cultural. You know, my grandma was one of the, both my grandmas were both teachers for me growing up. And because I know, you know, my mom working, we would be at home with my grandma a lot, so with both grandmas. So shout out to all the grandmas and taking care of the kids while, you know, the parents are at work. And um, being raised in Chulik and Big Fields, I think, uh, taught me to realize how, like, blessed I am today to be able to grow up in, in that time and, you know, on my grandma's side, I got to learn a lot about culture. And they always spoke autumn, which I wish I would have really listened and picked up, but I didn't. And a lot of that, too, was, you know, my mom, she felt like it wasn't going to benefit me. And I think that's, I always hear people say that, that their parents didn't really teach them because they didn't think it was going to be. Um, beneficial if they when they went to school if they were the job and I I really understand now how important it is and um, you know I can somewhat understand but not really speak so that's I think that's one of my insecurities that I, I that comes up sometimes when I'm asked to do certain things but I think um the people that I've been around, um, they've really understood that. So they try to help out and tell me things. And and then me, of course, I have to, um, I don't know if the word practice is the right word, but, you know, you have to use it. <laughs> so just, um, you know, that's probably something I wish I would have been more focused or knew was very important. Um, however, um, I think, where I'm at now, especially with my my own daughter, um, 
there's things that I want to pass down and I look to others to help that do know certain customs and traditions. So I think just having that support has been um, helpful as well. Wow, that's amazing. Humbling times, right? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> and so, you know, prior to the work that you're doing today, and we'll get more to that after a while, but can you tell us a little bit of your background, of your career experiences? So currently, um, right now, I'm at the Tucson Indian Center and working as the domestic violence advocate. Uh, previously, I had worked for the Thanatham Nation as an admin assistant for the Department of Information and Technology under the Chief Information Officer. And that was back in like 2005 to 2007. And in 2007, I enlisted in the United States Marine Corps, so I was gone for uh, my four years. I know one of my goals um, just growing up was to serve in the military, and a big part of that was because of my my grandpa, Frank Harris, um, my dad's father. He was in the, the United States Marine Corps, um, so... When that time came, I remember um, reaching out to a recruiter. And at the time, I was a lot older. Thankfully, I had a recruiter that was just so awesome. Uh, Sergeant Favela, I remember him. Um, he was just pushing me to, okay, you got to do this, do this, this, this. And I remember I had to just really being focused because it was something that I really wanted to do. And along the, that way, while I was ready to go or getting ready to go, my mom, you know, my mom um, was a big support. I would get up every um, morning to go run. She would, you know, cook certain things for me. And so that helped too, just keeping me on point to get where I wanted to go. And so I did go. I went into boot camp in June of 2007. I graduated from boot camp in December. Um, I came home for a while, got to see everybody, got to see my family. And then I had to go for Marine, Marine Corps, uh, the combat training part. So I was off again and I was in North Carolina. Then... Once I was done with that, I had to go to my schooling, which I was, it was supply. And basically in the real world, it's accounting. After I finished with my school, they ask you if you could go get stationed anywhere, put it on your list. And a lot of people were like, Hawaii, but it's very, very rare you're going to get Hawaii. So, um... And a lot of people don't want to go to Japan, to Okinawa, but I already knew that's where I wanted to go because my grandpa, when he was in the Marine Corps, he would always talk about Okinawa. He would always talk about, you know, that time in his life and how the island was so beautiful and how he got to do certain things, go certain places. But also, you know, the bad side of that was that he was a China Marine 
And China Marines were one of the toughest because they were in, in it. Like they were, he fought at Guadalcanal and he was a gunner. And he was also the Marine that had to go into the holes, you know, to find the enemy. And back then we didn't have a lot of things that we have now. So he was literally putting his life on the line. He was in it. And I just think that was just so amazing of how he would talk about what he went through, what he did. Because to me, I'm like, that's crazy. You know, it's crazy to, you know, do that. But at that time, you know, the training and the mentality and I guess, you know, just wanting to fight for your country, it, it was different. It was so different back then. And so I understand not everything, but as far as the Marine Corps experience, what my grandpa went through and why he was so proud. Um, sorry. And I guess in a way, just I wanted to honor that for him and for my family. And that was uh, the, probably the biggest reason why I went in and for myself, you know, um, I think being a service to your community, it's, it's what we should do. And however we can, um, you know, we want to be able to build it and not bring it down. Mm-hmm. So I think, um, you know, my emails at the end, I was just thinking about it right now. I always put service to the people because that's, you know, one of the things for me I try to live by. I try to... Um, find ways to help and it may not be on a big scale but you know I've I know what I I've done or I do and I think that's getting stationed man how did I get so far away (laughs) getting stationed in Japan well I got a little emotional but getting stationed in Japan was one of the best decisions I ever made for myself and Leaving the reservation, being able to um, experience other cultures, and it was one of the best things I did for myself as far as discipline, um, my motivation, my setting goals, uh, knowing my weaknesses, my strengths, um, leadership qualities, you know, instilling certain leadership qualities, um, learning. I... Um, had my baby, so I decided to get out and um, come back home. And I came back to Arizona, and I enrolled at Arizona State University. I wanted to go for my bachelor's in child family development. However, that did not go the way I wanted it to go. And um, I had to take some time off from school which led me back to the reservation and working at the Justice Center, uh, first as a court officer and then as a juvenile probation officer. And uh, just back in November of last year, I decided to apply with the Tucson Indian Center. And um, so now that's where I'm currently at. And some of the responsibilities that I have as the domestic violence advocate is building the 
domestic violence prevention program. The grant is a five-year program, so it's very new, and the Indian Center has not had this grant before. So right now, I am doing more community outreach, networking. I'll be in the future, or hopefully by next year, more community education, training, and awareness events. Uh, at this time, for survivors, I am providing case management for those who may be experiencing domestic violence or have survived uh, domestic violence. And that includes safety planning, victim advocacy um, for shelter, housing, medical, employment, education, as well as transportation, appointments, medical, court hearing support, and as well as uh, legal advocacy that um, I was uh, certified back in, I want to say a couple of months ago, June time, I was able to get certified to advocate in tribal court, but that only would be in the Thanaatham Nation's uh, Justice Center Court. You are listening to Cultivating Indigenous Voices with special guest Kateri Harris, hosted and produced by Tina Andrew. So what are some examples that you have of the type of awareness and events that you provide for the Native Indigenous community? For this first year, because I was new and trying to get my um, foot in to the already system that's in place for domestic violence and uh, sexual assault victims, there's already groups or nonprofits, agencies that work within that field. So it's more was just networking and supporting, attending other agencies or nonprofits events to learn and to meet and network. Specifically for the program, we had a, a sewing activity where, and it, the majority, which was so cool, I thought it was awesome that a lot of the elders came out and what we did was we had someone teach class on how to sew and make a traditional ribbon skirt because of how it symbolizes for the missing and murdered indigenous women. And so that was something that we were providing to push out that awareness and to just have the community and um, elders, youth come together um, for that cause. So I thought that was really cool that a lot of the, the elders came out and were willing to provide their time and just learn and just hang out together and talk and at the same time learn about what's going on in our areas. And a couple other events I've attended, um, more so uh, Indivisible, Tahano, and Emerge were working to get the Missing and Murdered Indigenous proclamation in place for here in the area, for the Pima County, Tucson area. So I was able to attend and support. And, you know, that was a very big 
deal. And I'm glad that I was able to network and be invited to support that cause. And right now, I, I understand that there's some things that are in the process that are going to be uh, a task force for MMIW. So I think that the work they were already doing, like I said in the beginning, that it's already in place. So it's just being able to connect and partner and see how we can all support each other. Great. That's good news to hear all the good things, the good work that you are doing in um, in your position, not only with um, older adults, but for the elder. I mean, there's more to the title domestic violence advocate. You're doing more than that and other things that relate to. Uh, but yeah, thank you for for being that strong individual for so many people and doing this type of work. I know it takes a lot and it takes a strong person to have this type of supportive workspace for people to c- feel comfortable enough to come and um, get these kind of resources and services. But in your current position, so where do you find that inspiration and motivation that helps you to do a good job? For myself, uh, I, looking back or when I was talking about some of the jobs that I did, I think, um, you know, it's always important to give back. And for me, I always have this saying of service to the people. I always have it on my email, my little um, signature, just to always remind myself um, that you have to um, give back. And a lot of that was part of, you know, why I enlisted in the Marine Corps, but for other reasons as well. Um, But as far as work that I do now, it can be overwhelming or it can be, I wouldn't say stressful because I think you have to be in the right mindset to be able to help someone else, especially when they're going through a crisis. But I think more so it's the patience, it's the just meeting that person where they're at and remembering that they're their best advocate and you're just there to support and to guide. So I think that's really what drives me in the work that I do now. And um, as far as building the program, you know, you want it to be a support that where I think a lot of the individuals that are in that situation, you want them to be able to know that the services are there with but with no judgment. And when they're ready, they can come in, they can, you know, get the services that they need or the resources that they need. But as far as also just for myself, self-care, going to the gym or my own environment, home environment is healthy. And a lot of that too has to do with my partner and and my kids, Um, you know, having that family time and just being able to have a partner that supports you and understands and someone that you can talk to when, you know, there's something that you may be maybe experiencing at work. However, I really believe that also is that you don't bring that home. You don't bring your work home. And that's what has been helping myself to work through different situations and to be the best that I can be for someone else in in those times of needs. 
Well, that's good to hear. And I'm glad that you do take some time and to step away and to reassess yourself. And yeah, self-care, that's what it's all about. Other than that, what other services does Tucson Indian Center offer? And how can one receive those services that are provided for the Native community here in Tucson? As far as services that the Indian Center offers, we have three departments, and that is the social service department, the wellness department, and the health services department. Uh, For the social service department, the focus is more on uh, job placement. So if you're wanting to find a job, you need help in with your resume, you need help with finding employers that may be looking for your type of skills. More, It's more career and job counseling and also interviewing skills, I believe they also assist with. And as far as the wellness department, which is what my program is under, we have suicide prevention, we have um, transportation, and we have case managers, we have the diabetes prevention program. There's a cultural specialist who runs the, his program there as well. Uh, we have the Narcon program and the tobacco program, which the Tobacco Youth Coalition is under as well. And there's just a lot of services under those different grants that if someone was really wanting more information, they, w- they would need to go in and specifically ask. Um, And then also for the health service department, they are in the process of opening a new clinic, which I believe the services would be more vaccines, boosters, testing, uh, transportation. They offer uh, COVID-19 supplies um, and their education, uh, daily welfare checks, and uh, case management as well. So again, if you would like more information, I would suggest to call and find out what it is, which department it is you would like to enroll with. However, on Mondays is when we have our new orientation classes, and those begin at 11. Let them know that you're there to uh, receive orientation, and that's where all three departments will be able to be present and will give you more information. And just making sure that you have your documents as well, I believe, um, your ID, your social security card, your tribal ID, those are some of the things that you would need to bring as well. Yeah, so there's, there's quite a bit of services that it just depends on what you're looking for. And we also have a diaper and food box, which is monthly, that you can also receive that definitely is a lot of different services that even I wasn't aware of. And it's really cool to hear about the new opening of this um, this clinic out of Tucson Indian Center, which could make it a lot easier for folks to get just the basic needs um, healthcare-wise, especially here in the city, in the urban area. But um, thanks for sharing that. So outside of work, you know, what do you, what is it that you enjoy doing for fun? Um, looking at life in, you know, as, as who you are away from the work life. For myself, I like to be outside. 
Uh, right now, I'm more into my, I think, like, my fitness journey, <laughs> more so, like, more being more committed, being more accountable, and just learning that, you know, being healthy is not just, not just about weight. I mean, it's about your mind and how, um, you know, you're treating others and how the people you have around you and spending that time with my other half it's it makes my day and as well as my girls um you know just being able to be around them because they're both teenagers and they're at that age where they don't want to be around me as much <laughs> the only time is probably when we're, they want to go somewhere they want which is cool I mean I get it I mean I remember those days and I was just like man this is this is what I get now <laughs> And because I am the, in the city, I'm not as much on the reservation. Um, you know, I do have a, a house on the reservation and I have a, a aunt who lives there. So, um, you know, I have four aunts right now that on my dad's side that are still here. And I think um, just making more time to be out there and to to connect with them and their families, as well as on my mom's side, um, so. Yeah. Wow. <clears throat> Full circle. That's awesome. That's good. And I'm glad to hear that. It's crazy how life works sometimes, you know, right. it comes unexpectedly. But at the same time, without knowing it, you're all already prepared for the thing that you wanted years ago, you know, but awesome. Well, you know, as we wrap up the interview, do you have any last thoughts, comments or shout outs you would like to share? As far as job-wise and where I'm at right now, even my past jobs, um, just thank you to anyone who supported, who pushed me to be better, and who continues to reach out and check on me. And then also, you know, my family, um, like it's so awesome. Sometimes I'll wake up and I've started journaling in the in the morning and I've um I've read this book um the artist way and it encourages to write three pages every morning like the first thing you do and it's so crazy that there's things that I'm I was still either holding on to or still it was still there but it's really helped me in just identifying what is actually really meaningful what I should be actually focusing on and what I have just being grateful and that's my little family you know and my daughters they're not out doing things that I probably wasn't I was doing I wasn't <laughs> supposed to be doing so I'm so grateful for that but at the time we didn't have cell phones and social media so um and then also of course um Thank you for having me and for asking me to be here. I was very, you know, honored just because, you know, it, it is an honor. And also um, to creator, to God, you know, whoever it is, your higher power, who you believe in, because, um, you know, I think um, when you always keep that in the forefront and you're able to live for me now, my purpose is just more, like I said, it's always some type of service. And I want to make sure I honor that, honor myself, my family, and others that um, have supported me and aren't here. Thank you. 
I'm Tina Andrew, and you've been listening to Cultivating Indigenous Voices with Kateri Harris. To listen to more episodes, go to kci.org. Thank you.